0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. On tap this week is a conversation I had a few days ago with Andrea Sansone and Andrew Hamilton, who collectively hold some of the most impressive, fastest-known times in Colorado, many of which they've set together. Some notable highlights include Andrew's supported FKT on all of the 14ers in the state, which took him less than 10 days, and Andrea's supported FKT on the much-coveted Nolans 14, which she set in September of last year, becoming the first woman to complete the route in under two days. Neither Andrea nor Andrew really consider themselves runners as such, yet their times regularly best those set by pro endurance athletes, So I wanted to have them on to learn more about how they approach these multi-day pushes in the mountains, best practices for managing their relationship on and off the trail, and a whole lot more. But before I bring Andrea and Andrew on, I want to take a quick minute to tell you guys about Blister's partnership with Spot Insurance. Injuries are definitely not the first thing that comes to mind when we think about our favorite outdoor sports. But as many of you know, perhaps all too well in some cases, they happen from time to time. And even if you have standard insurance, the cost of your deductible and often a number of hidden fees means you're likely to get stuck with quite a hefty bill for any trip to the ER or hospital visit. That's where Spot comes in. With a Blister Plus Spot membership, you get injury insurance that covers everything from trail running to backcountry skiing to mountain biking and more. All that in addition to the benefits of being a Blister member. For more info, make sure to click on the link in the show notes. All right. And finally, I also just want to remind you guys to leave us a rating or a review after this conversation wraps up. Little things like that really help us to continue to put out new episodes of the podcast each week. Okay, let's get right in my chat with Andrea and Andrew. Andrea and Andrew, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thanks. It's
1: really good to be here.
0: All right. So I'm excited to riff on a bunch of different topics with you guys, including Nolan's 14 FKT culture and kind of your shared obsession with moving quickly in the mountains. Um, (laughs) But first I have to ask about how you two formed into kind of this endurance power couple. Um, Is there a fun story behind how you guys met? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Or, 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 yeah. I'll take that one. It was, uh, you know, so I used to be sort of like, uh, and it sort of like a adventure racer, I guess, I guess, you know, that, that sport, you don't see it around too much anymore. Uh, but it was a great sport in terms of like, you know, you'd have, you'd go for multiple days and you'd have to navigate. And, uh, you know, so, so anyway, that was kind of my thing for a while. And then I had a lot of kids, you know, and so I sort of retired and I was became a stay at home dad for a while. And, uh, and so what I would do over the summers is I'd hike with my kids uh, a lot. And so, so one of those, those times, you know, when, when Axel, my second oldest was only five, I think we were up on top of South Maroon, um, or climbing South Maroon. um, And, uh, and that's when we met uh, Andrea and her friend, Kim. I was
1: living in Florida at the time that was in, and that was in, uh, 2012 when Andrew and I met, um, I was living in Florida at the time and I knew I wanted to move out to Colorado, but um, it just wasn't the right time yet. Um, and I had done about four, it was four 14ers before South Maroon. And, um, my friend and I were in Aspen, uh, on a babysitting trip and we were like, oh, let's climb a mountain. And we were like, well, the other ones around here are the Maroon Bells. So, uh, she was working on finishing up the 14ers. And so we were like, sweet, let's go climb the Maroon Bells. And so we picked South Maroon and, um, and it was the same mountain that Andrew was taking um, his son on and a couple family friends. Um, and, and we met
2: right at the summit. And, uh, and basically to me, see, I'm sort of the, the expert of like, linking up the peaks efficiently you know and uh you know beca- like so for example with axel getting him up all the peaks by the time he was like uh you know 6 years old and stuff like that it you know it was it was by maximizing efficiency uh the efficiency when you're hiking them which means that like it was horrifying to me that somebody would go up and do south maroon and not north maroon which was their plan and so you know i had my other buddy was up there and we had a bunch of kids and we were like hey we've got all the rope here you guys should just come across with us you know cuz if you don't do it right now, and when you're looking at North Maroon from South Maroon, it's like right there, you know, it's just like to not do it. It's it's just, I mean, oh, you know, you gotta come all the way back up. So we convinced him to do it with us. And uh, you know, at that point, Andrea really wasn't much of an athlete at all. You know, she's always been athletic and she's super tough and strong, but she was basically just a baby in the mountains. (laughs) And so I've basically over the years created a monster. (laughs) But that was the beginning of how we met. And then she became this like family friend and started hiking with us for, you know, for several years. You know, we'd hike with her and her friend. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, eventually we, you know, we got together as a couple,
0: you know. So, so that's sort of the short, (laughs) the short version. (laughs) (laughs) Long story short. Yeah. Were you doing like those like eco challenge type adventure races?
2: Well, unfortunately I never got to do one of the premier ones like the Eco Challenge. That was but that was the one. Actually, MTV 1 year. I don't remember the exact year, maybe 99. They covered the very first one and it was this super like upbeat like like inspiring coverage of it, you know, where like they would uh, the, the guys would be like, you know, drop down and do 30 push-ups, you know, when they're on like day 3. And so my buddy Shane and I got kind of excited about it you know, later it got picked up by Discovery Challenge and then they would have like Liam Neeson, you know, um, narrate with his like voice of doom, you know, like talk about like how all the bushes are going to rip the flesh from your bones and <laughs> stuff like that. But, uh, but the problem with adventure racing was it was expensive, you know? And, uh, and also for like Eco Challenge, if you didn't have some great story, you know, like for example, you could be a good team, but maybe you're just boring where they wanted like, the guy that was racing with three Playboy models. See, for them, that was exciting. So they would get in. So I did get into a couple of Primal Quests, which were pretty good ones, Um, but just a couple. And honestly, the big ones I did were just disasters. You know, I I look back and I realize of the two big races I did, I've only remained friends with one of the people (laughs) afterward. You know, because, you know, I mean, a lot of the teams that were good, they'd race together a lot, but that's the sort of thing, when you're going for these endurance things, you you can't hide who you really are. And if you're not going to get along with a certain personality, it's just not going to happen, you know, and, uh, and right. so it's tough. And so I never really gelled with a team that had the resources and we could race enough to become good at those, you know, but I did great. I had a lot of good buddies on some shorter adventure races around home and stuff, you know.
0: How did that translate to doing these like high alpine linkups in the mountains? like yeah. was that kind of like a natural progression for you
2: Definitely and because you know so the thing about I mean probably both of us but me more so than Andrea because she is actually pretty fast was speed was never my strength you know like uh, lots of people can run circles around me but I think through that um experience in the not the eco challenge but in adventure racing and actually I started out with 24 hour mountain bike racing and like my very first experience in like a long race was um you know, I was going, I was middle of the pack and it was a 24 hour race, you know, and it started at noon. You go into the night and by the time morning came, most of the people that had been ahead of me, uh, they, they just, they, they, they quit, you know, cause it, you know, you, you know, you go to sleep or whatever. And at that time, just a 24 hour race was really hard for me as well. Like there would be this time in the early morning where you just, it felt like you were going to die. You know, this was back in like 2000. It was just, I didn't have a lot of experience. I was young. And, uh, but even though I got my butt kicked, I still ended up like in third place, you know? And so I was like, oh, maybe endurance is my thing. And so that's kind of how I got into that. And so that was in adventure racing. It was the same thing. It was like, you know, it's not always the fastest team. A lot of times when I was on a fast team, we would end up in the middle of the night making some stupid mistake and running in the wrong direction for four hours. It doesn't matter how fast you are if you're running in the wrong direction, you know? And and so it was a much more about thinking and making good decisions while you're tired. It's and where so- he
1: developed a lot of his mental strength, you know.
2: Yeah, that's definitely yeah. an
1: advantage that he has over me. Is he has that mental that 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 practice in the in the mental where I'm kind of learning it as I go on and as I do bigger FKTs and bigger record attempts. It's like I'm trying to learn how to do it and. And kind of one of our goals this year is just really to get out and do longer things to practice that mental for kind of bigger plans that we have for the future. Um, because it does, it gets hard and you think you're mentally strong until um, un- until you're not.
2: <laughs> it's one of those things that like, um, I think that's what's missing from a lot of athletes today that are going for something like a one's. you know, what I'll see is people that are extremely fits. In fact, I know people right now, their training is so above and beyond what I've I mean, ever it's, done.
1: it's absurd they what they're doing. They should blow it out of the park.
2: <laughs> but it's like, you know, without like a sport like adventure racing to really humble you and to teach you to go through the night without sleep. It's just like, I mean, I don't see a lot of the people really practicing that, you know. And so right. that is one thing that is definitely missing and makes like the longer FKTs hard, you know. And so I do know like a couple of the records I hold, there's people going after them this year and they're fit and they train hard, but that's the big question mark is like, you know, how are the, how do you do after night after night? You know, I had the training and and in the adventure racing. And when I, I did it, I wasn't even that great at it. I was like, I was on teams where I was learning how to do it. And the people I was with, they could just go like night after night. They didn't believe you needed to sleep at all. You know? And I was like, oh, come on. Like we need an hour of sleep to refresh our brains. And so it was just like a huge learning experience for me. But if you don't have a race to force you to learn that, it's I think it's just hard to learn it. You know?
0: Yeah. How did you guys escape ultra running?
2: Well, we were never really great runners. I think we okay. never really uh, well, got into yeah, ultra running. And like, like,
1: yeah. I, I, it's funny yeah. because we talk. We actually talk about ultra running a lot, and mm-hmm. um, I think that it, it's it's hard because our our strength is more like hiking and i know ultra running does have a lot of hiking but it also has a lot of running and like there are a lot of like 10 mile stretches where you're running on flats and and that's like some of the hardest parts of training for us when we're going out to do our 10 mile run you know or going out to do to do a run and um i always bring this up um there's a book that we read um, oh yeah yeah about it was the, the,
2: it's called <laughs> well, that what doesn't kill us, or something? It was about Wim Hof, and it was this okay. um, this uh, reporter guy was out to prove that Wim Hof was a fake. But in the end, he you know he buys all the stuff about the cold, um, you know, water training and stuff like that. But as part of his training, he went into the uh, Boulder Center for Sports Medicine and he went and had himself tested before he was going to implement this cold water or cold water sort of stuff. It's like, well, do you think I could be a great endurance athlete? You know, if I train really hard. And I guess the expert there sort of like laughed at him and said he could tell from the minute he walked in that he would never be a great endurance athlete. And the reason was, is because he had these enormous calves. And the guy said, sorry, with calves like that, it's like this giant pendulum weight that you've got to carry on every step and that people with skinny legs just don't have. And Andrea and I both have kind of big calves, too. And so... I do think though that the big calves are great when you're going up steep stuff. Yeah. And I think that's why
1: our, you know, I think that's what carries us through all of these big hiking adventures is like, we have the legs and the muscle strength for it. Um, we are also quick, you know, we can be quick on the descents and, and running and things, but, but to, to run a 100 mile race, I think our, our strength more lies in speed hiking, hiking steep and direct hills yeah. i mean we can really kick ass on those you so, know, so andrea would be
2: i mean she'd be great at like the hard rock 100 or no because you really? know honestly in those ones you're not really running a whole lot you know maybe down but but for me personally like yeah we get if we get to those flat stretches there's one in particular on nolan's it's like this nine miles like as you're running kind of this flat between Princeton and Yale. And oh, it's just brutal for me. You know, I just hate that part. I just can't wait to get to the steep stuff, you know? Well, so, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: and, and, and when we're <laughs> on the road going from, during Nolens from, from uh, Princeton to Yale, I mean, I'm walking.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
1: You no, know? it's yeah. just, it's really hard for me to motivate to jog on these like, uh, it's just, so I think it's the mindset. Yeah.
2: So I don't know, like, yeah, we're just not really runners, you know, but those really hilly, you know, ultras, I think we could still probably do pretty good in, you know, Mm -hmm. if if we targeted them.
0: Yeah. The reason I bring it up is because, you know, over the last like four to five years, a lot of the people that have like top times on Nolan's are like professional ultra runners. And I I find it interesting that like someone who identifies as a hiker, you know, now has, has the FKT on it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, why don't we jump into yeah. a discussion about Nolan's? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've I've mentioned it on the show a handful of times, but I'm wondering if uh, you two could kind of provide some context behind what it is yeah. and uh, your relationship to it over the years.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, do you want to start with the background of it?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, what is Nolan's? It was like,
2: uh, basically, I mean, it's had a long history. I mean, now, I mean, I think it's probably close to 25 years old. It started as like, uh, these guys had an idea for a race and it was like, you know, they were ultra runners like Blake Wood was one of the best known ultra runners of the time. And, and they asked a buddy, well, what's the most 14 ers you could link up in like a 60 hour weekend, you know? And this guy was like, uh, you know, Nolan, you know, so the guy whose name is on it, he was like, Oh, well, you should do a climb those ones over by, you know, Buena Vista. And uh, you know, and so that's where, so they, they came up with this line on the saw peaks there. So there's 14 peaks and the, and the idea was, and back then, they didn't really think anybody would ever finish. So basically, the goal was, you know, we go and they we're going to have this event and we see how many peaks you can get done before your 60-hour time limit runs out. And uh, and so for many years, no one finished, you know. And back then, nobody really had any idea how to link them up. So these guys had to go out there and they had to figure it out, you know. And, uh, and so some of that early history of Nolan's is, is just great of people just trying to figure out the best ways to link these things up. And then I guess I guess the story is the Forest Service heard about it. And because it was an organized group on it was crossing wilderness lands, they said it was illegal, even though they weren't collecting entrance fees or anything like that. And uh, so they threatened to shut it down one year. And so then and so it basically killed the events. And so at that point, it might have been dead. But I kind of credit, you know, a couple of people, especially there's a guy named Matt Mahoney, who basically what people would do for years is they would just go out one year and give it a try. And they would send their results off to Matt Mahoney. And he would keep this website um, up with all the times. And so you could see, you know, that well after it ended as, as, a, you know, as an official race, you know, you'd see one person give it a try one year, another person one year. And, and then there was this guy, Eric Lee, who posted these blogs of him attempting it several times. And I remember that's when I kind of first got interested in it was I'd be reading about his blogs about it. And uh, it, you know it was it was always pretty brutal, but he eventually finished it and had like the second fastest time, I think, by the time he got done. And I think Eric Lee blogging about it and Matt Mahoney keeping the record about it, I feel like that's what really kept it alive. Mm-hmm. And then somehow it just sort of exploded in popularity well, at some point. And,
1: well, I think uh, honestly, I really think 2020 was huge for an explosion of Nolans just because of um, COVID. And so all of the ultra running races were shut down. And so all of the ultra runners are like, well, what are we going to do? We're going to do Nolens. And, uh, and so I think it saw a lot of attention and, um,
2: That's when the best times were, that's That's when when they really got knocked out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, and it's interesting, um, how it's evolved where, um, the majority early in its earlier years, the majority of, Uh, people who tried Nolan's would go um, north to south. And now, really, if you talk to anyone attempting Nolan's, everyone's going south to north. And uh, I think that's pretty interesting. I think that um, when we attempt it next, I think we're going to do it together. But I mean... We're going to go north to south because we have our south to north times, you know, and it's like, well, gosh, no one goes north to south anymore. And it's hard. Like where you end up on Princeton, I think it's the most intimidating on a north to south run.
2: <laughs> well, I remember I remember for a long time people were going north to south and I was and so I I put out out there. Well, I would watch it. You know, I I got really you know i think that's one of the reasons the the popularity exploded was because all of a sudden you got these satellite trackers and so people could watch and it was really exciting to watch people you know for me especially and this was even before i did it i'd sort of watch them and um and man, i'll tell you time after time you people were they did mostly go north to south for some reason i don't know why but you'd watch people have this great run and then they'd hit princeton on night two (laughs) and princeton it's just a monster. A actually both sides of it are the low points of Nolan's like so, so you go the lowest hard. down on both sides of it. and uh, and so to hit that on your second night, you know it just would destroy people time after time. So I was sort of like putting out there I was like, hey, why wouldn't you want to just go south to north because then you can control the fact that you're gonna be on Princeton? in the in light. The light. <laughs> and that is one huge advantage of going South to North is you control Princeton. Of course, the downside is you have three monsters at the end, but you know, whatever, you're almost done. You can knock out the last three, I say, right? You know, but- uh, It does yeah, suck it
1: having does like La Plata, yeah. Albert and Massive yeah. at the end.
2: <laughs> but, but now ever since like, I swear 2020, I feel like there's almost no love being given to North to South. So <laughs> I think there's still a lot of like uh, improvements for men and women to be done going that direction. But to beat the times going south to north, those times are solid now. You know, like Joey's, he's got the men's time at 41 hours. And also that's like 12 hours faster than I did it unsupported. And I'll tell you, when I did it unsupported, I didn't stop, you know. So to beat me by 12 hours, is is kind of mind boggling <laughs> to me, you know. And then Andrea's time last year was kind of ridiculous too, like 40, uh, just under 46 hours. And that was also ridiculous and kind of unexpected. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: yeah so. I think our, our, uh, the goal for me was to just go under 48 hours, yeah. you know?
2: And that was kind of like a pipe dream in a way. Yeah. Know, but. yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but, yeah. I didn't, right, I didn't yeah. really think that yeah. I would go under 48. I was kind of just hoping to go on like, to be like 48, 48. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <You> right. <know? laughs>
0: Take me through that FKT. Oh
1: man. Um, gosh. Well, so. Uh, I had done, so it was a big summer. So I had done, um, the Manitou incline, I think to start off my summer. And, and I think that really built my base and it really surprised me. You know, what
2: she did there was she did, um, like 24 hours on the Manitou incline. So she did 19 laps, which, um, you know, it's
0: 38,000 feet climbing. Yes. Yes. And, (laughs) and, and, you know, it was,
2: I was supporting her there. So I was waiting at the bottom. And it was funny because she'd come down, and you know, near the end, she'd start crying, and I'd give her a hug, and then turn her around and set her back up. You know, (laughs) not every lap. Not every lap. Yeah, early she was doing good, but I think she really surprised all of us about how good she did there. Yeah, my goal was
1: like sixteen laps.
2: Yeah, it just set this tone. And actually, with her friends, you know, she wasn't even afraid to tell them that her goal was sixteen laps at the time. Um, Yeah, because because you know, like
1: they they're like, oh, ah, yeah, They, can't they do didn't it. think that was possible. <laughs> you, you know, you so, can't and, and, do it. And that, I was, so.
2: and we were thinking it was, and then when she was doing it and I was looking at the times, I was like, you know, cause she was had it in her head that she'd stop at 16 cause she'd meet her goal. And I remember being like, get it in your head. You're not mm-hmm. stopping with time on the clock. You know, yeah, you know you're going to keep going. It's interesting.
1: Hours. Andrew's probably about, I think it's a little different now, but I think up until the end of last year, Andrew is the only one in my life that, like, where if I came up with something, he'd be like, oh, yeah, you could do that, and really believed it, right? I feel like everyone else in my life is like, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if you can do that, you know, can you, so, so it's really cool to have Andrew, like, as a true, you know, like, a true partner that truly supports me and truly believes that we can do these things, and so after the Manitou Incline, I really thought that that was a really good base, so we'd been eyeing this 24- 24 hour 14er record and it was basically how many 14ers can we do in 24 hours and
2: and and that's another record too that I always thought should have a little more love just because it Mm -hmm. seems so obvious it's like oh how many can you do in a day and and it's going back to Eric Lee again who I mentioned with Nolan's he, he was the first guy, I think, that really went for that one, and he did, like, nine and then ten. And the one thing that was never too exciting about that record, as far as I was concerned, was, like, a lot of those peaks just seemed kind of, like, lame in the sense that they're the really easy-crowded ones closest to Denver. Right. You know, Torrey's, Gray's, Evans, Bierstadt, the Calibron. That's, like, you know, three of them right there. Um, they would do Quandary as well. And uh, and and Eric Lee, it, he's fast. Like, he's super fast. Like, he was putting times down, like, like the Evans and Bierstadt he did both of those in 254, oh, which I is mean, that's insanely just insane. fast. So, I, 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 Like, yeah. even
1: on, like, yeah. Fresh Legs, those are the only peaks yeah. we're doing. I mean, that's way out of my S- league. So that's where we were
2: able to use sort of, like, our Nolan's experience to come up with um, something that generally you wouldn't think to do Harvard, Columbia, and then on to, like, Oxford, Oxford Belford, as Missouri. part of this record. Because normally that's just, it's just a little bit too long a time. You know, you're you, normally you're trying right. to do these easier ones, you know. But – we just realized um you know we I, I can't remember exactly why we went up and we scouted like this Columbia through you know it, well the 24 hour record
1: we scouted Columbia yeah. through Missouri we wanted to get oh. a time down because yeah. we were trying to figure out is like yeah. what number of peaks yeah. is possible we were thinking 10 is doable and then yeah. 11 was a stretch and then 12 was pie in the like pie yeah. in the sky actually yeah. actually
2: you know what it was it was Joey Campanelli when he did knowledgelan he just did 10 in 24 yeah. hours and he didn't even like really know about that re- that that record was a thing Yeah, and oh, if wow. he could do 10 and and that's with no driving so he just on foot did 10. so i'm like man if we can like somehow incorporate part of that you know the the best the, like the, the heart we call like the piece, heart yeah, of the ones. heart of no ones plus a bunch of the easy ones man it seems like mm-hmm. he could just you know do really good and yeah. so So anyway, we ended up getting, um, it ended up
1: being being 12 (laughs) in 22 hours and 16 minutes and which was a complete stock. But the key to that was Columbia, Harvard, Oxford, Boston, Missouri, we pulled out a, a six hour and 55 minute time on those peaks, which kind of blew us away. So not even like. 15 minutes after we get into the car, heading back home, Andrew is talking about Nolan's and he's like, with times like yeah. that, I'm like, man, you could do some
2: amazing stuff do- on Nolan's. Cause I was just like running all the numbers in my head and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and I was kind of excited about it. And yeah. it was
1: interesting. Like we have a big history on Nolan's, you know, we have our relationship with Nolan's is goes pretty deep. Um, we did it together in 2020 and then continued on to Holy cross. And, um,
2: and and I've, I, I've done Nolan's like
0: six times Yeah, that total, so yeah. I was going to say, you guys yeah, have he's like done the Nolan's most time in, out there.
1: Incredible amount of time. And, um, and I was kind of done with Nolan's. I had shut that door and, um, I was ready to move on. We have a lot of other things planned for the upcoming years. And, and so then when he brought up Nolan's, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. So then, um, he, halfway convinced me. Um, and so then I was out training and I did, uh, I was doing Shivano tab wash, and tarot. And I had plans to go on to Princeton just for like a training. We had finished, we were just coming home from the beach. I felt like I was out of shape. And
2: and she put up these terrible times. Yeah, I mean, it
1: right, was I a horrible sky trip. So on? I had a friend yeah. pick me up. It was pouring rain. <laughs> and yeah. I decided I was like, I'm not doing this by myself. This is insane. Like I'm this isn't gonna work. So I convinced him to do it with me. Um, and then so we were gonna do a north to south. Um, together, and I was like, "You got to do it with me! Like, screw me doing these things by myself. I don't care about. Let's just do it as a team." And then he ended up with a kidney stone like a week before that we were supposed to go together, and so then it was back to me doing it by myself, me going south to north. So it was just like this ridiculous. Now I know how to get out of
2: this stuff in the future.
1: Be like, oh, (laughs) plank.
0: <laughs> I gotta use that card when some of my friends come up with like hair brand ideas. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then I'm, I'm still like, "Are you sure you yeah. you can't go?" With I know me? she still
2: thought I'd be going, like, yeah, like you yeah, know, three <laughs> days beforehand. <laughs> if I'm just barely recovering. Like,
1: come on, you yeah. can do it. I know you can.
2: But what was awesome was that once she got it in her head, you know, you know, it's like, "Hey, okay, you're back on. You're gonna do it by yourself." And um, we we were able to round up a good support crew. You I know? think that was yeah. key. I
1: mean, Joey came yeah. out. I mean, yeah. I had the pacers that I had were so awesome. Yeah. You know, Well, and
2: like, some people she troop. didn't even know, Yeah, um, but they were really excited to see her do well. And, uh, yeah. and so it was just, it ended up being a really good experience. And one of the cool things about it was we were really putting our brains together. You know, you've got, you've got me and I know it just about as well as anybody, I think, you know, just cause I used to watch the old, the old timers who really figured it out. I'd watch them when they would do it. Like, um, Uh, It was actually I kind of I kind of missed when John Robertson, he held the record there for like 12 years, you know, and uh, and then his brother, Eric Roberts, Robertson, and then his girlfriend. Oh, and her name is escaping like Ginny, 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 Ginny Robertson. um, Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. And I remember watching her give it a go. At the time, she had done the best as a woman and uh, and she was doing it again. And I was watching it and it was weird watching their track. They had these specially named waypoints. And like for example, one of them was called Spiky Tree. And so anyway, and there was one called Big Cube. And I so I went out on these adventures to go find these things. And I remember at one point it was really exciting when we found Spiky Tree, spike which Tree, actually yeah. I think a better name would have been Spike Tree. Mm. It was like this big spike. Yeah. But it shows you the perfect spot to leave, when you Yale. leave the trail. Yeah, to leave the trail on yeah. Yale to head up like Hughes Gulch or, or this little ridgeline to get to Yale. And they yeah. really knew their stuff. So I've put together what I learned from looking at their tracks. I've, I've, I mean, I've scouted the routes, I mean, so many times now. So I, and, but then like Joey had a bunch of different ideas too. Yeah, and was, so having him there, yeah, we put was, together all of this info from these people that really knew it. You yeah. Know? And it's, like, even yeah.
1: before we, before, um, I had gone, we had contacted Joey and he was sharing some of his lines with us. And it was cool because we were able to see on our scouting trips versus his scouting trips, where he would go and where we would go. And we're like, Oh, well, you know, we spent, God, we spent so much time on Yale scouting (laughs) the airplane goalie. I mean, it's just, we beat that thing to death. And it's, if
2: you know the course at all, Yale, the descent that you're going south to north, it's really rough. And for me, I was just trying to beat this two hours to get down, you know, from Yale to the low point. And I saw these fast guys, there was this guy, uh, I forget his name. He went after Joey. He was trying to beat Joey's time. He got down there in like a half hour. And so, you know, even though I've, I've hit every inch of that thing, I mean, we're just always trying to beat it. So for me, part of the fun of Nolan's is just always trying to improve the route, you know, 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there. So even now, I'm still, I watch people see if they think of something that we've just never thought of before, you know? And yeah, uh, so that's part of what I really like love there, you about You can it.
1: always improve. I mean, yeah. our line is pretty solid, but there's always, I feel like there's always room for some tweaks here and there.
2: That's what I love about Nolan's itself is that it's not just a course. You know, I love the fact that you know, you can go out there and, and like from the peaks, there's no set route. You know, you can choose, you want more technical, you want to try a trail, you know, a trail is going to add a lot of mileage, but maybe, you know, you don't like running down boulder fields, you know? So there's just a lot of like improvisation you do depending on your own skill set, Right. Yeah,
1: and it was and, cool. And like so, having, yeah. oh, like we, um, we did have some shortcuts and it was cool. Like having Joey with us, um, when he was pacing me on Elbert. it was like, he, you know, showed us the shortcut that we hadn't done. And it's like, wow, you know, saves us 15, 20 minutes, you know? So it was just really cool. Having just the whole team there was really, um, was really cool. I think the crew was definitely a huge part of the success on. Yeah. We keep mentioning
2: Joey, but there was like other people, they were all brought this like special component, like Jamie had girl energy at just the right moment when like, you know, Andrea needed some empathy and the boys just weren't like, you know, giving her the empathy
1: she needed. It's like La Plata was so hot. Oh my gosh. I hate the heat. And La Plata was really hot. And Jamie hiked me on La Plata. And then Dan, he hiked with me on, um, Yale and Princeton. And those are two really big, those are two huge mountains. And and you know, Andrea was,
2: was, had never had actually had support before. And so that was kind of a new thing for us. I was like, how do
1: you, what is this? I don't know. I had intentions of listening to headphones, but I was like, I don't, do I listen to headphones? Do I not? I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) So it was interesting, like having um, people with me where I'm just used to having Andrew with me. And it's like, either he's up ahead, I'm up ahead, or we're not talking. And you don't really think about it because he's just my partner. We do everything together. And uh, so it was interesting having other people with me where, you know, I found myself like apologizing for not talking or I'm sorry, I'm tired or whatever and uh so it was definitely a different experience but i think at you know when it's all said and done it was definitely worth it and i really loved the whole experience of having different people hiking with me at different times
2: and one of the fun yeah. things about nolan's too is the different categories you know so there's like supported unsupported and then like self supported and i've grown you know i've done all all of those categories and, and i've really grown to love all of them You know, like a lot of times I'll hear people and they really think, oh, only unsupported is, you know, that's that's the real, you know, because it's just you on foot, you know, and by yourself. But, you know, there's a lot to be said for when you do make it a team thing. You really have a bond with a lot of people and it it becomes more of like a logistical challenge than it is just, you know, just go out there and beat yourself into oblivion, you know. And so I love I love the aspects of all the different styles. So, so that's, that, that is something I, I do like, you know, I definitely did like the supported aspects helping her out and stuff. Um,
1: yeah. And you we, know, we yeah. do like the, the longer, the longer day FKTs because I think it just really like really sets you up for that mental training that we were talking about earlier. And like, it really um, prepares you to, um, you know, to learn how to, have that mental toughness and how to endure and how to keep going when you're super tired. And um, so I think there's a lot of benefits of doing Nolans and, um, and just the benefit. Yeah. Just the benefits of it are I think huge when it comes to FKTs and big mountain adventures.
0: I feel like lapping the Manitou incline was super important because that is such like a, a mentally, grueling challenge, right? Because it's laps. I mean, so you're you just kind in of, the grind. Yeah.
1: You're just You can bail whenever stairs. you want.
0: <laughs> yeah, the car is like at the end of each lap. You can just <laughs> hop in if you wanted yeah. to.
1: Yeah, I think, you know what I think is kind of important for some of these things that we do is um, your your mental um, state uh, going into it. Like, you know, uh, sometimes when like hiking with Andrew's kids is sometimes doing one mountain a lot harder than going out and doing Nolan's because you have it in your, like Andrew said, you know, get it in your mind. You're doing 19 laps because whatever is in your mind, you're more likely um, you know, you create these pathways in your brain where it's like, okay, this is, I'm not stopping until I get to here. And so, so sometimes we'll be hiking with Andrew's kids doing, you know, Mount Hope. And it's like, we're just totally, you can pay us uh, a thousand bucks to climb another mountain, you know? But, and so we're like, oh, how are we going to do Nolan's or how are we going to do this or that? And it's like, you just get in this mental, switch mental state where you can't think about quitting. It's, you can't think about anything else other than, you know, the task at hand and what you're doing, you know? And so I think that was really helpful with, you know, all of these, um, things that we do is when the time comes, you know, the task that you have at hand, you know, the project that you're set out to do. Um, and you don't, think about quitting and and your mind just kind of gets in this mode of like, you just go until you're finished unless you're injured, you know, and you have to quit, but.
2: Hey, you know, this little conversation uh, just remind, reminded me of this cool little body hack I kind of just learned. So I, I thought I'd maybe share that with you. Yeah. So in that book that, um, that which doesn't kill us book, you know, Wim Hof is not just about cold water exposure. He also does a lot of these breathing exercises too. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, if you follow his recommendations, like you have to like sit there, hyperventilating for like an hour every morning. So, you know, probably not something everyone has time for, but, uh, but anyway, one of the things in the book that I tried, it was like the first time I ever really tried to hold my breath. I was able to hold my breath for like three minutes doing this. And so the idea was you hyperventilate and you hold your breath as long as you can. And then you do it again for like a minute, you know, so you're just breathing hard, like kind of like for a whole minute, you know? And so I did a, by the third time, I held my breath for three minutes, which, like I said, was a lot more than I'd ever done before. Right. And so then the idea was you're supposed to do that. And then you flip over because I was laying on the ground and you do crank out breath, hold pushups as many as you can. And it's supposed to help you achieve like it's supposed to easily you crank out more than you've ever done before. And for years, I've been doing insanity. And uh, it's just like inside uh, home workout where high intensity Training
0: and like CrossFit, yeah,
2: like CrossFit, and he's always got you doing kind of like these slower push-ups, or like you do eight, sometimes like sixteen. But I think over the years, my body just sort of trained itself. Sixteen push-ups, and then I'm about done, you know. And uh, and so anyway, he said in the book that you know you turn over and you crank out these push-ups, and so I didn't do quite as good as the guy in the book. The guy in the book somehow could do like eighty when he held his breath, but I did do like forty. But he did say just. Doing that creates these new mental pathways. And since then, I can just drop down and do 40 or 50 push-ups it's just from doing mm-hmm. it that one time. And granted, they're not the best form. You know, I do have to go, <laughs> like, fast. You know. Halfway down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more, I'd say a little better than half push-ups. But it's still pretty cool that I can drop down and do that many push-ups. Now, just from that one time, it, and it, it is like you train these new mental pathways. And so I really do believe there, there's something to that. Especially with like the nighttime training, it's so mental. Right. If you just get out and do it, and then it's sort of like you train your brain that hey, I can do that, and then you can do it. Whereas before that, getting through an entire night without getting tired might seem impossible. You know, so I really think a lot of this new sciencey body hack stuff, there's something to it. You know, so anyway. Yeah.
0: Is there has there been anything else you've you've been playing around with?
2: Well, I mean, uh, most of it has been like the cold water stuff. You know, like so. Andrea yeah. was a real tyrant this spring. We actually started a a cold plunge team. <laughs> some oh, of our man. friends. And we'd head over to the creek. And some of those days when it was all surrounded by ice, oh, you know, we get in for three minutes and and uh but mm-hmm. it's like, man, you hate it and you dread it, but at the same time, you love it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of something we've been doing. And I really want to explore this breath of work more. That's one thing I really neglected for a long time on the on the Wim Hof stuff. So I'd really like to explore that more. I was really shocked at how easy it was to hold my breath for the three minutes. The first time I really sat down and tried that. Um, yeah. what else, is there anything else we've been trying this like different, um,
1: well, I think like,
2: no.
1: well, honestly, um, this year has been hard. Um, for training wise. Um, it just hasn't been, it's just, there's been a lot going on and so our training hasn't been exactly where we want it. And so, um, and so we have, it's, it'll be really interesting to, uh, see how this summer plays out, um, with, uh, training that, um, isn't ideal or hasn't been ideal. Um, and so I think that when you're not in the, the ideal shape that you want to be in. I think the mental kind of kicks in, has to kick in a little bit more, right? Because you're more tired or you're not, I mean, we're not out of shape. I told that to Andrew today. I was like, we're not out of shape. We're just not in the best shape that we could be in at this time. Um, So I think like, it'll be really interesting. I think this summer really our goals that, that we have are to really, um, prep us for mental preparation. Like we have these goals that I think are really set in place to mentally prepare us for, uh, 2024 and bigger goals that we have in mind. And I think it'll be really interesting also like for this, uh, winter, when winter comes, it's like, there's so much opportunity this winter, um, that, that, that we have, uh, that'll kind of test our, our mental, um, even Andrew was compli- uh, saying that he's destined to have all this mental training for working out in the last few weeks because he's been oh. going out at like 2 a.m. Oh. in the cold, you know, um, right. every time we go out there, workouts, it rains
2: on really us, rain. Or we were in France visiting my sister. And, you know, I have this thing where I have to do a workout every day. Like that's been my thing for four and a half years now. And uh, and so no matter what a workout happens, so it was always happening at like two in the morning. And so you're just tired. And then it would be raining and like, I would yeah. just like to have a normal workout, you know, yeah. like what is going yeah. on Yeah, And so
1: yeah. I really think that also like doing a workout when you don't want to, or when it's difficult. Um, I mean, that's, yeah. I think that right there is huge. That, that is
2: actually, that is one of the benefits. So there's another guy, if people are interested in the cold water stuff, his name is uh, Andrew Huberman and he does oh, yeah. these yeah, health podcasts and stuff. And one of the key things it seems like that comes to me because he's got a podcast about cold water exposure and sauna stuff. It's like you get this big benefit. If what you're doing, if you don't want to be doing it, like, so if you're doing cold, but you love it, it's really not, you're not getting the benefit. You have to go on the cold and you have to really want to be getting out, but you're staying in longer, you know? And so I feel like it's same thing with like sauna stuff, you know, it has to be hot enough that you'd rather get out or like when you're doing zone two training, um, you know, you want to be going at a speed where, you know, you, you could talk, but you'd rather not talk, you know? So it's all these things about, and, and so with this, so I'm telling myself that all these workouts where I'd rather not be out there in the rain, stuff like that it's, and I'd rather not be out there at two in the morning, it's probably all really good for me because I don't really want to be there, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so it, I hope so. Anyway, it's you know, it definitely has its benefits, and and I think yeah. that the you know, when people ask, well, what do you have that you know, for mental training, you know, I don't really have anything special, you know, I've, I mean, I've done Nolans and things like that. And Andrew and I have done a lot of hard adventures. Like, so, I mean, I do have that background, but what I also have is like, Andrew is my teacher, you know, it's like we've been together for years and years and years. And so I've not only has he been teaching me and I have that, but like, I've seen him also, suffer to, you know, in that extent. And so I've learned, I've, I've just like have learned so much from Andrew in what it takes to suffer, how you deal with suffering and, um, and, but putting that into practice in my own um, experiences is, is difficult. And I think one of my biggest weaknesses that I'm working on that I think this year um, has become something that I'm really um, focusing on is my attitude and, and how you handle um, the difficult and the, the hard in these big adventures. And so um,
2: that is a, a good point. It's like some of the best people I've ever like raced with in the old days. Um, I just heard one of the guys names again, Travis Macy and like uh, some of my other buddies. It's like they were just always so positive no matter what, no matter how hard it gets, just so positive and happy and cheery. And that is definitely something Andrea doesn't need to work on because <laughs> when she gets down, she'll get down and negative, you know? And, and I do think if she fixed that, then man, man, you'd be a killer, yeah. you know? So I'm definitely, yeah.
1: you know, yeah. definitely working on that. And I think that it's good, um, that I have time to work on that, you know? Um, and, and so, and not just saying that I want to work on it, like actually putting it into practice, you know? So we'll
0: see what does this winter look like for you guys from like a training perspective? Um, what do you guys mm-hmm. do during the winter? Cause I imagine during the summer it's mainly spent, uh, in the mountains. Yeah. Somewhere.
1: Yeah. Our, yeah. Our winters. So our, our winters are, um, actually our training is very variable um it's we don't have a specific training schedule we don't have we do this in the winter um we do have kind of seasonal things that we do um mountain biking has a specific season for us you know just because you know um you know depending like in the summertime we're out in the mountains right so mountains are the summertime and then um a lot of times in the winter we'll go to Moab, I think one of our big goals is, you know, we escape and go to Moab in the wintertime when everyone's skiing and we'll have huge days in Moab, which would be great. And I think that what is one of our goals this year to go to Moab.
2: Well, well a couple of years ago, so this last year it didn't work out, but a couple of years yeah. ago we discovered what a great place that like Moab, Moab is like, it's sort of a spring and fall destination. And I get a little turned off because I was going there since I was a kid. You know, like my family's always gone to Moab and we really love it. There's amazing, but it's just so crowded. And like, I remember there's a spot where we like to sleep this sort of this unincorporated area as you're, and you watch these cars as they're coming into town for the weekend. And it is insane. The amount of traffic that Mm -hmm. that little area takes nonstop traffic. So I generally like to stay away from there, you know, with all the Mm -hmm. the traffic, but we discovered, we went there in like December and February and it's completely deserted. All these great hotels are dirt cheap. And if it's like in the forties and sunny, it's actually beautiful weather for like riding and and running and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so we had this year where we went down there like three times and we thought, okay, this is the life for us. You know, we're going to come down here whenever we can in winter. But then this last year, it was just this crazy year with all the snow and it was wet all the time and it didn't work out. And that makes us a little sad. Yeah. yeah. That was so amazing. Yeah. So we'd like to try that again. this winter, We're like, we are
1: getting like that is happening because I think, that we can think of a lot of huge workouts, you know, through the winter, you know, uh, doing that. And then we'd also like to get out, um, on some 14ers. I think that would be great mental training, you know, getting out there in the cold, in the dark, you know, leaking up some mountains. And then, um, we do, we do spend a lot of time doing inside workouts because, um, the mountains around, like there are foothills around here are a lot of times really wet and muddy. And so, Mm. um, it's a lot of just improvising, you know, if it is beautiful out, then we'll take our bikes out or, you know,
2: but a lot of
1: it is just kind of based on the weather and our
2: poor bikes have been neglected. Yeah, lately. Yeah, bikes, yeah, It's been a while for the bikes. <laughs> yeah. You got to get on the yeah. bikes. Yeah, it is. Uh, she's exactly right though. It's very variable. I'd like to do more ski stuff, you know, yeah. I was helping this guy out this year who is uh, breaking actually a record that I had until he broke it. Um, uh, which was, uh, Climbing the uh, Colorado's 14 uh, years in winter in the fastest amount of time. And that kind of got me thinking, oh, I wonder if I could do that again. You know, that, you know, I'm getting a little old, but, but, uh, but, you know, I do like it. And, um, you know, so, so maybe, maybe we try to get better at our winter mountaineering too. You know, but, but in general, I think, well, my philosophy is definitely turned into this like, um, try to do something every day because I want to sort of have this like, like, you know, you know, most people go through this, like these peaks and valleys of their training, right? You know, you train hard, you peak, and then maybe you, you know, you stop and you get out of shape. And I remember just used to hate how, you know, around Thanksgiving through Christmas, you know, you just can't help it. You get fat, you know, and I can't stay away from the sweets and stuff. And then it's always, and then I'd always be like that guy, January 1st, I'm going to hit it hard. And it's always just so much pain and suffering trying to get back up to your peak, you know. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to work out every day no matter what. And so I've kept that streak going. And it doesn't always have to be a monster workout. I mean, usually I don't work out more than an hour a day. But for me, I feel like it just keeps me, it keeps me grounded. Like I'm always getting my workout, and you know. And then I feel like with a higher base that I maintain, that it won't be that hard. Like give me a month, and I can be ready for anything. I feel like you know? And so what we're really testing out this year is going to be like, I feel like we want to be the spokespeople for athletes that really have to balance work and life. You know, I mean, I've got four kids right now. I'm working two different jobs. I, you know, I got to get that workout in. That's my whole day. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of time, but I want to see how am I going to be able to do? And I'm getting old. I'm, I'm you know, I'm 48. And, uh, and so I want to see how can you do if you don't have time. Like, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, they might not even have to work. You know, they can train for hours and hours and hours. You know, it, you know, I you know, fine. You know, they can they can go right. run circles around me, but we still want to do all these great adventures when we still have to balance all that. So this is really gonna be an interesting year. To it see how I, it happens, I'm so you
1: know, I'm so you know. excited, you know, yeah. because we were literally just talking about this today. And um, it, it, I think what We've really found out is key is you know you don't have to overtrain. I think that's a mistake of many people. I think mean, I overtrained last year. I mean, guy, I just went crazy, you know. Um,
2: but and now she's been injured and- for three months trying to get her hands. Oh, oh man, <laughs> yeah. So she did so much. you know?
1: You know, but we did find that, like, if you're smart, like you don't really need to train more than like an hour a day, you know, get in a great workout, get your cardio, because there's only so much that your cardio is going to take you until it's not about your fitness anymore. Right. Like we always say that with um, with bigger things like um, a, a lot of it's not about how fit you are. Because sometimes your fitness comes during the attempt, you know? It's like for shorter things, yes, fitness is important and speed is important. But uh for the longer things, sometimes the mental really comes in. Yeah, point, and you it's know? like, like
2: stuff. So you're you know, you're going one night, it's a factor. Yeah. But you go past two nights and it's so much more mental. Yeah. You know, and, and right. so so and you you know, and like she's saying, a lot of these times when I would do the 14er record in the past, you know, which is like 10 to 14 days. It was like I'd always start out kind of like not really super fit. And after totally. if I just survived past day four, my body figured it out. <laughs> you know, I was either gonna die or I was gonna get fit, you know? And uh and and somehow it figured it out. And and it know? is,
1: it, it is what we find. It's like your body will, your body knows and remembers. And and the thing is, I feel like, you know, again, going back to this whole ultra running thing, um, Uh, um, our, our thing for hiking is just, just go at your pace, you know, go at your pace where your legs aren't burning. So we always hike at a pace where we don't, our legs don't burn and we're not breathing hard. That's our thing. You'll get there, you know, as long as you keep those two things under control.
2: She's kind of referencing our philosophy on Nolan's because a lot Mm -hmm. of people will really go out hard on day one. Whereas like our, like the number one goal, and I actually thought she went a little too fast last year, but she promised me, you know, cause she was like an hour and a half or so ahead of our splits after like the first day. And, uh, you know, and, and our number one thing is like, just don't make your legs burn. And I remember I learned that from this guy, Dawes Wilson, when I was like t- in my early twenties. And he was like the guy that was dominating all the 24 hour mountain biking. And, you know, he would talk about, You know, like at the beginning of this 24 hours of Moab race, what they would do is line everybody up and you'd have to sprint to this bush, run around the bush, you know, in this big mass start. And then you would go get your bike that was lined up and then try to get out of there. So obviously you want to be in the front of the pack, you know, but then you got to sprint and you pay for that later. You know, that was his thing. You're going to pay for that later. So he would just sit back, let everyone run ahead of him. And go and and you know then you know later you're not going to have all that extra lactic acid from trying to save five minutes at the beginning.
1: Yeah, you know? and we try to tell people as much as we can. Um, it's like don't go out too hard in the in the beginning. Don't don't do it.
2: I and, mean, we're not saying go super slow. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. you're going no, but, you're going yeah. hard. You know, but
1: don't go not, at a yeah. pace where you're going to yeah. burn out. Yeah. You know, because you know you take a look at. Um, you know, I, I was comparing, uh, my times to a lot of other previous Nolan's times. Um, and they had me beat by 15 minutes to 20 minutes, 30 minutes on the first two peaks, you know? And I'm just like, Oh, if people would just understand, like just, you know, how to just go, but not let your legs burn. I think that's a huge, um, I, I think it's a huge advantage to know that threshold.
0: Right. I mean, that's totally supported by the whole zone two training that is in vogue right now. Kind of just like I've just been easy. hearing that term. Yeah, it's so yeah. interesting yeah. you bring that up yeah. because
1: yeah. we yeah. train yeah. and we know yeah. nothing about the hard yeah. right. zones. We yeah. just go off of our breathing and our burning legs. And sorry you know? to
2: interrupt you. If you were going to say more about it, I'd like to hear it because like I think I'm interested in that zone two stuff. Yeah. Surf. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, I think you guys are already doing it by accident, which is, like, <laughs> perfect. And I think that, like, honestly, hiking is the perfect activity for um, that type of, like, endurance and that type of intensity. Because you're not, like, you know, trying to choke out a sentence while you're running, right? It keeps you kind of grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have any tips for, for how to get faster at hiking? Well, I think for us – well,
2: actually, it's kind of funny. We, we've gone through this, um, this uh, evolution. Well, I know I have. For certain. And, um, you know, you know, my my the biggest record I sort of it sort of my whole life was always like when I was young, I set the 14er record. It was broken the next year. And then I came back like in 2015 and set it again. And it still stands, but there's some solid guys going after it. So I don't know how much longer it's going to stand. But uh, basically, when I started that, it was like I would become a really fast um, uphill climber. And it's just by. I think that's just something like when Andrea she did all that training last. She said she overtrained. I mean, she got a lot of mountains in, but it's just a lot of you know just hiking up. You that's know, what I was going to say. Up. Like, well, yeah, our, our yeah. strength
1: is really just yeah. hiking up. And I actually, I've like Andrew said, um, we've evolved. Um, I've definitely evolved. I used to be not that great at hiking the steeps. And I used to, you know, he used to be so much faster than me. And I used to like, and and now... I love the steep and direct and, and I've gotten really good at it. I've gotten fast at it. And, and it's really like, how do you get fast? How do you get good at that? You have to just do it and you have to do what you don't like to do to get better at something. You know, it's usually you don't like certain things because you're not as good at them. You know, it's like, Oh, you know, some people don't like push-ups over crunches because they're worse at push-ups. Right. you know? So it's a lot of just like getting out there and doing it. Um, that will really just kind of get you faster at it.
2: Yeah like so that, that uphill was always critical and I always loved the uphill and maybe it just came naturally maybe it's because of our big cows. I mean I don't know yeah. but 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 then the other thing well, that I really you get
1: so beat up on the so downhill. Did,
2: yeah, well, so that was my thing even when I was younger, the downhills would just destroy my knees and so I would look back and it would be like I'd have the same time coming down the mountain as I did going up it mm-hmm. you know because I I'd, I'd fly up it and then coming down I, I felt like I was hobbled. You know, going down and, and normally you want to be way faster on the way down. And right. so, you know, I think with, um, you know, actually one of my big secrets here was after I did the 14 record, we were hiking with this buddy of ours and he he gave us these poles or he let me try his poles that had a T grip on them, you know, because I always use poles. But I would get like wrist tendonitis with them. You know, the way you hold normal poles, it kind of tweaks your wrist a little. Like every year, wrist so tendonitis. So if you, if you have if you're holding them for a long time, you know, your, your wrist. Yeah. So you have these ones with a T-grip. And in fact, they weren't even sold as poles at the time. They were sold as a fashionable cane, you know. and mm-hmm. and But it was still a lucky pole with a T-grip, right? And that just totally fixed like your my wrists are in a much more ergonomic position with the poles on the way down. And so in recent years, I've actually gotten much better at the descending just because mm-hmm. I can put a lot more of that weight on the poles, I believe. And uh, and so that's one of the way I've evolved. You know, it's like we, we've yeah. we I, I, I've always had sort of the fast uphill, but my downhill's gotten better and it's kind of come for free. You know, it's just I'm not really having to work that much harder. I'm just not hurting as much.
1: Well, and and. Uh, talk about descending. Like when we went back to look at our 2020 Nolan's time, um, our ascent times were right up there with just about all of the top finishes. Yeah,
2: years. I was comparing our time as a team. We finished mm-hmm. in like 53 hours, too. That was the year of like the really strong female, basically. After we did it. Andrea had set the female time before her. This girl, Sarah, had done unsupported. Then Sabrina Stanley, you know, sort of a famous Ultra Runner, did it. And then Megan beat her. And then Sabrina came back and did it again. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of splits to compare our time to. And it was interesting because we were right there with like the uphill times. Like we were just as fast, you know. But then Sabrina, whose final time that year was like three hours faster than our like time 48,
1: 49, and, yeah. And,
2: uh, or, or maybe, oh, so that's more like four hours. Looking at the times, it was six hours in descending that she was faster. And so, That's but our ascent times were fine. So really, it was just sort of like
1: figuring out, figuring how, out to how to descend, descend faster, faster
2: and, that made a difference. And, for I, and, and I think
1: we've really figured out like, you know, I think... And we always talk about like each year really kind of builds on each other for us. Um, We take something from each year in the either FKTs that we do or the adventures that we do, and it just builds on each other. You know, then winter comes and you kind of change, you know, training for a little while, but you keep what you've gained each year. And I really think that in these last couple of years, we've really gained um, experience on descending and and how we descend and I think that's been really really important I think it really showed when we were scouting Columbia through Missouri for um the 24-hour record because our time kind of blew us away when we were like holy crap you know that was really great our knees weren't bothering us we were moving and so I think there were definitely some you know um you know just corners turned
2: you know, uh huh. Yeah, so we're yeah. just figuring stuff out. You're still figuring stuff out. You know, that's kind of always, fun, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: always. And I think that that's <laughs> yeah. the beauty of it all. You're yeah. always learning. You're always yeah. improving, and you're always, yeah. um you know, seeking out ways to get better and faster and more efficient. And
0: yeah, yeah. totally. I think that's a a good spot to end things for today. Um, Mm -hmm. It's been a total joy talking to both of you. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you do this summer.
1: Yeah, it's been great talking with you. Thanks a lot for everything.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's been fun talking to you. And uh, yeah, maybe we can uh, follow up at some point like later. Yeah, the after goes. our so, summer. That'd yeah. be great. We'll see how things Definitely. we see how Like The minimal yeah. training. Yeah. Sort of still trying to do big FAP sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 All right.
0: Well, we'll circle back so and maybe we'll keep in touch. I don't know, October or something. Sounds <laughs> great. Awesome. I love thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Andrew and Andrew for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself, keep moving forward, and we'll talk to you again next week.